Having Sage approved audio for our car rides is a literal lifesaver for my nervous system and I love making lists of podcasts to share with him when he's ready. I was so excited to hear about a new show called Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, math, geared toward the six plus crowd. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time traveling adventures. Recently, we had some family visiting, and on our way to dinner, we popped on an episode of Mysteries About True Histories, Math, with my niece and nephew in the car. In this episode, Max and Molly travel back in time to solve a mystery from the order of the problem solvers, along with lots of kid humor mixed in. It was a fun way to enjoy our car ride together and opened the door for some interesting conversation about history and understanding some of the mysteries of the past. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, the perfect length for car rides and meal times, and stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode 117. Today we get to chat about anxiety. We're talking about anxiety in adults today, and next week we're going to dive into anxiety in the tiny humans. We'll start off with what anxiety even is. It's become a huge buzzword these days, and it's something we're talking a lot about, and I think that's amazing. But we got to get down and dirty on like, what even is this? Where does it come from? How does it show up in our bodies? How do we process the fear and live without anxiety? One of the most powerful things a therapist ever said to me was, hey, babe, you don't have to live with anxiety. And I was like, excuse me, what? (laughs) This whole time that was a choice? Today, we're going to dive into what that looks like, how you can build awareness of your triggers and trends and learn to process the fear that comes up so that you don't have to live in a state of anxiety either. This work, the work that I'm about to chat with you about in this episode, changed my life. And I know that it can change yours too. Before we dive in, I wanted to let you all know that starting this Sunday, I'm doing three live sleep workshops. So many folks have reached out to us saying that sleep has been a doozy during this season. So I'm going live. We're doing it based off of age. Head over to the link in my Instagram bio or pop into our Facebook group to snag the link to sign up. It is pay what you can live sleep workshops. We have a newborn one infant, toddler, and then preschool, pre-K, and beyond. This is a one-time gig. Outside of these live workshops, you can snag our online sleep classes, again, based on age, to dive in for sleep support. But if you want live support, now is the chance. Come join us. Workshops start on Sunday. All right, babe, let's dive in. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass-Campbell.
All right, my friends, today we are talking about anxiety. This episode may bring some stuff up for you. You may have some feelings and I want you to hold space for them. I encourage you to allow those feelings to come up and get curious about them. Feelings are communication. It's our body's way of communicating things from our past, things from our subconscious to us. So get curious about them. Anxiety has never been higher in parenthood than it is right now. And it's almost become like a buzzword, right? So let's break it down. What is anxiety? Anxiety is when you're stuck in fear. When you aren't able to process fear. You get stuck in it. So when we're talking about anxiety, it's important to note that experiencing fear is very normal. It's when we can't find our calm and regulate. So we do things to try and make the fear go away. We might try and solve the problem or we might turn to somebody else to help us regulate because we can't do it, that we need them to get calm so that we don't feel dysregulated anymore. And I'm going to give you tools for how to identify fear, welcome it, hold space for it, process it, and then rewrite some of these narratives. Some folks will identify as being like a people pleaser, And in this instance, what you're saying is I have a fear of somebody else having a hard emotion, right? Like I have a fear of disappointing someone. So I want to make sure that I do everything perfectly so that I don't disappoint them. Or I have a fear that somebody's going going to be angry as a result of a boundary that I set or something that I do or say. And so let me just avoid that, right? There's the people pleaser tendency. And again, coming back to like, what are you afraid of? So when anxiety comes up, you are first going to start by noticing it in your body. I often feel it in my chest. So I will, my chest gets tight and my face will get like hot. Sometimes I'll feel it in my hands where like my hands will start to like get tight, like in a ball. And like tense up. My shoulders generally go up towards my ears. My jaw tends to get clenched or get tighter. So you'll notice physically because of what's happening is you're having a rush of cortisol or adrenaline and your amygdala turns on your fight, flight, or freeze center. And your prefrontal cortex, your rational thinking brain shuts down. Your amygdala sends neurons to your prefrontal cortex, telling it to shut down so that you can be in reaction mode. Your body does this as a defense mechanism so that if you were being attacked by, say, a bear, you wouldn't stop and think, hmm, what should I do? How should I navigate this? Instead, your body goes right into defense mode. That cortisol pumps, your prefrontal cortex shuts down, your amygdala is in charge now, and you're just reacting. Fight, flight, or freeze. Our job is to notice this reaction and decide 
if this is something that we need to be in our amygdala about is a child running into the street. Great. You're just going to go pick them up. You're not going to like pause and think about it. However, your body has the same reaction if they're running into the street or if you're worried about disappointing someone. And so the key here is to regulate your central nervous system because you have a physiological response to anxiety, to regulate your central nervous system, to calm that pumping of cortisol so that you can reactivate your prefrontal cortex and make an intentional decision. Most of us are operating from our subconscious, our social programming. This is based off of our childhood or our experiences in life. And there are two key types of anxiety. One is trauma-induced. I've shared about being a rape survivor, and I carried anxiety for years related to that trauma. For instance, I was raped in a basement, and so... Every time I would go into a basement, I would get triggered. I avoided basements or I would sprint down, throw in laundry and sprint back up. This was a trigger. And so my subconscious was telling me, oh, you're not safe in the basement. And until I did the work to rewrite that narrative, I had those physiological symptoms telling me to get out of the basement every time I went in there. The same thing would happen. I was wearing button fly jeans the night I was raped. So instead of a zipper, it was like all buttons. I couldn't wear button fly jeans without being triggered by and having a physiological response to the jeans until I did the work. And now one of my favorite pairs of jeans is button fly. So that's the trauma induced. And then there's intergenerational or um, inherited learned reactions. So if... You have a parent who struggled with anxiety or when your emotions were too big for them, they made that known that like they would get dysregulated. They might yell or they might get really nervous about you or you could see that you were spiking their anxiety. Then you may have learned habits or patterns so that you don't spike other people's anxiety. And it's another form of anxiety. Your fear is of spiking somebody else's anxiety, right? So we can see that. We can see inherited patterns. I'll give an example. I was working with a coaching client and every time she would leave her parents because they didn't live in the same town, her mom would ask, well, when are we going to see you again? We have to put it on the calendar. And she would say, oh, I'm not sure, mom. I don't know what our schedule is. And that was really dysregulating for her mom. She would need to know, like, when am I going to see you again, though? Like, what she was saying was, I need a plan to see you in order to feel regulated. Versus, here's how the opposite of that would sound, would be, oh, it's so lovely to spend time with you. Keep me posted on when you have plans to return. That sends the message of, like, I love being with you and... I am regulated and can be regulated without having a plan in place to see you again. Her daughter isn't responsible for regulating her mother, right? Like that is the message we'd like to send here. This coaching client started to notice she was doing some of this though with her child where 
she needed to know certain things about his schedule or his plan in order for her to feel regulated and was like, oh man, I'm starting to repeat this pattern, even though she was like, it drives me nuts when my mom does it, but I'm seeing that like I'm doing this again. So we did some work around how to build awareness of it and to just notice it coming up so that she could have the power to rewrite that narrative, to help her body feel calm and not need that information in order to feel regulated. Anxiety often tells us that if we had more information, then we would feel calm. But it's the sneaky little trick because often more information doesn't make us feel calm. If you look now in these times of COVID, so many folks are like searching like, oh, once I get enough information, then I'll feel regulated. But there, that, there isn't an end to that. There isn't a point at which you get all the information and you're like, oh, now I'm calm. It's a trick that the brain plays to say like, oh, let me keep gathering info and then I'll feel calm. And when we start to notice that pattern, we can say like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much for trying to help me have enough info so that I can be aware and cognizant of what I should be doing or protocols that are in place. And... I'm going to choose to do something else now to help my body feel calm. I have enough information for today. And when you can start to do that, when you can start to notice these things building, then we can regulate the cortisol levels, turn on that prefrontal cortex. So often people come into my DMs, they shoot us a message saying, I want to do this work. Like, where do I start? I didn't grow up with these tools and I feel like I'm trying to build them for my kids, but I don't have them. Like I'm losing my cool or my partner and I are on different pages with this jazz. Y'all mama's getaway weekend is the ultimate time to dive into this work. We dive into your childhood and patterns and habits that you have developed over the years. We get cozy with showing you how to get to know your subconscious so that you can make conscious choices, so that you aren't just acting based out of old habits and patterns that were ingrained, but instead you can choose how you want to show up in the world, how you want to respond. We support you in navigating parenthood and what this looks like with tiny humans and how to lay a foundation for them where they know it is safe to feel emotions, to express them to you. We want them to have a toolbox for how to cope and process with whatever comes their way in life. We go into what this looks like if you're co-parenting or parenting within a village. What if people are on a different page? What if other people aren't doing this work and you are in this together with them? We dive into all that jazz and we have guest speakers who come and talk about the sensory systems and so much else. I'm so jazzed that we're opening up some tickets for y'all. We moved the date from April to September 26th and 27th. Mama's Getaway has always sold out. So if you want in on this bad boy, head to mamasgetawayweekend.com to join us in San Diego, California in September to build your toolbox and leave with a concrete, tangible plan for how to do this work and put things into place. Y'all, this work changed my life and I know it'll change yours too. Come join us, mamasgetawayweekend.com to snag your ticket And bonus, 
for the month of April, you can snag your ticket for just 25% down. You can do a payment plan if it's easier than one lump sum for y'all just for the month of April. So head on over mamasgetawayweekend.com and snag your ticket today. It's so frustrating to spend the money and effort to buy your kids clothes just to have them grow out of the size within a week or have your kids complain that they itch, pinch, or just aren't comfortable. If you're with me on this, you've got to check out Posh Peanut. Their sensitive skin-friendly clothes are made from viscose from bamboo, stretch with your kid as they grow, and they're also made to last. Posh Peanut makes thoughtfully crafted, super cute clothing for kids and families. It is the softest thing, y'all. The design is all done in-house with different patterns and it came in the mail and I was like, oh my gosh, I wanna wear this for myself every day. Their luxe women's pajamas and robes were all that I wanted to wear postpartum for nursing and hanging out on the couch with Mila. It helps so much that the fabric is breathable and chemical free, which means they're delicate against Mila's sensitive skin too. And I totally get why Posh Peanut is loved by over 1 million parents. Right now, Posh Peanut is offering our listeners 20% off your first order with promo code VILLAGE. Go to poshpeanut.com village and use promo code VILLAGE for 20% off your first order. That's poshpeanut.com village, promo code VILLAGE. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews And the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com code VILLAGE for 20% off your order. I am here for like automation, for anything that I can take off of my to-do list so that I don't have to remember it or keep track of something. I will do subscribe and save if that's an option. I love when things are just delivered to my house. I don't have to think about them. So I'm super jazzed to share our newest podcast sponsor with you, Pandia Health. You get to skip the trip to the pharmacy each month for birth control and get free delivery with bonus free goodies. You never have to run out of birth control again. You get Pandia Health peace of mind. Pandia Health makes sure that nobody runs out of birth control on their watch because it's delivered to your house. You don't have to go anywhere. You get free delivery of your birth control pills from Pandia Health 
the only women-founded, women-led, doctor-founded, and led company in birth control delivery. I'm here for all of that, my friends. If you have an active prescription at a pharmacy and insurance to cover the medications, Pandia Health delivery, automatic refills, reminder to see your PCPs each year, services are free. With a capital F, y'all, I'm here for free services. If you need a doctor consultation because you wanna change pills or methods, or you don't have an active prescription, it's just $29 once a year to access Pandia Health's expert, passionate doctors for the next 364 days. You save the trip to the pharmacy each month, you save the trip to the doctor to get your birth control prescription, Pandia Health can deliver to all 50 states. They take almost all private insurance, but not Kaiser. They do take family packed. You can enter code Voices of Your Village and get $5 off the doctor consultation if needed. Pandia Health is about care, convenience, and confidentiality. Go to Pandia Health, P A N D I A H E A L T H dot com and sign up now. Pandia Health is the Greek goddess of healing, light, full moon. Pan means every, Dia means day. And y'all, the convenience of this all, please, I'm here for it. PandiaHealth.com, use called Voices of Your Village to get $5 off the doctor consultation if needed. PandiaHealth.com. As with everything that we do, building awareness is key. Knowing where do you feel it in your body? Asking yourself, what is this triggering? What is the fear? I'm afraid of what? That's what we want to ask ourselves. What am I afraid of? Maybe I'm afraid of somebody's health or safety. Those are the two biggest anxiety triggers. Maybe I'm afraid of someone's perception of me. Maybe I'm afraid they're going to be judging me. Maybe I'm afraid that they're going to think that I'm not doing the right thing as a mom or that I'm not a supportive partner. Maybe they're going to think that I don't have my crap all together. Ask yourself, what are you afraid of? If it's somebody else that you're in communication with, you can ask yourself, what's this person communicating? What's the need they're trying to meet? We were working on Easter plans and trying to coordinate all these like Zoom meetings with everybody and Zach's mom was going to be, we were going to go for a social distanced, like staying away from each other, but walk together and then Zoom with my family and Zoom with my cousin's family trying to fit it all in. And Zach was like, I just, and I could tell that he was stressed as we're trying to plan it. And I was like, hey, bud, what's the, what's the problem here? Before we respond to anybody, before we continue problem solving, it seems like you're stressed. Like, let's, let's find our calm first. And I was like, what's going on? And he was like, oh, I just feel like I'm not going to be able to make everybody happy. I was like, ooh, this is fun for me, right? I was like, okay. And what would that look like? What if you don't make everybody happy? Then what? He was like, well, I'll feel guilty because I want everyone to like have a nice Easter and feel like they're included. And I was like, yeah. No, I totally get that. I also would love for everyone to feel included. And there's a lot of logistics here. So uh, not only do we have all these things we're trying to coordinate, but other people are trying to coordinate with other people too. And so it's a lot of moving parts. 
there is a chance that it isn't perfect for somebody, right? That it isn't somebody's uh, desired situation. And asked him, what, what would that look like? And how could you process that guilt that you might feel afterwards if you didn't make everybody happy? He was like, oh, man. He was like, you should go into this work. <laughs> Lucky for you, babe. I did. But being able to pause and say, like, what, what's the person communicating to me? Maybe somebody else is feeling anxious and feels like they need to see you or they're trying to regulate their anxiety with you, with knowing you're safe, with talking to you. Maybe that's been your job your whole life to regulate a parent or caregiver. Building awareness of these habits and patterns and trends is key. Once you have that awareness and you can start to feel it build, you can notice like, ooh, my chest is getting tight, right? Like, and when Zach was, when I saw that he was getting anxious, you know, he was getting a little frantic and he seemed what we would notice like stressed. And I was like, oh, it seems like you're a little stressed. And when you start to notice those things happening in your body, then you can say like, ooh, before I continue, I'm going to pause and tap into a coping strategy to find my calm. Sometimes a coping strategy is breathing. Sometimes it's literally just like setting that phone down or taking space, like walking away from the person, taking space and breathing for a minute. Sometimes it's moving your body. That's one for me that was really helpful in rewriting these patterns was when I would start to notice mine, being able to like dance, even if I just like it for one minute could dance. That was really helpful for me moving the cortisol so that then I could reopen my prefrontal cortex and regain access to it so that I could form a rational thought with intention rather than working from that place of fight, flight, or freeze, that reactionary place. So you want to read the whole goal of being able to manage anxiety is to notice when it's building, notice it in your body, notice those patterns, and then find your calm. Be in charge of regulating your cortisol levels. You guys, the coolest thing about this work is that you can self-heal. It doesn't have to be this hard. You don't have to live with anxiety. I did for a long time. I lived with it for a long time. It dictated so many things in my life, how I went through my days, how I was functioning, the amount of joy I was able to experience. It dictated so much and learning to live without it was a game changer. A lot of times when we are experiencing anxiety, we might fall into patterns of codependency where we rely on somebody else to regulate us. One of the most empowering things is building awareness and learning how to regulate your own central nervous system. That's what true independence is. That's where you get to say like, ooh, I know how to regain access to my whole brain. And now I can ask myself these critical questions. I can ask what I'm afraid of. What's this trigger trying to tell me? Where's it coming from? And turn to it with compassion. Like, oh, maybe these are habits and patterns 
that were developed in childhood to keep you safe, and now they're not serving you anymore. You can say thanks, brain, like thank you for adapting to keep me safe. Now I'm going to make a different choice. I don't need that anymore. Now I am safe, and I don't need that. So once you're regulated, once you've calmed your central nervous system, and now you're going to move forward with intention, sometimes you're going to be setting a boundary with somebody. And sometimes you're going to set that boundary knowing, oh, after I set that boundary, I might feel guilty, right? Like we were talking about with Zach earlier with the Easter one, like he knew that he might tell somebody like, Hey, this is when we can chat with you. And, or this is what our schedule looks like. And that someone might not be super jazzed about it, right? That he might then feel guilty that somebody isn't jazzed. Knowing you, a huge part of this is knowing that you might have hard feelings afterwards because anytime we're doing something new, anytime we're setting up new boundaries, it is going to be dysregulating because it's new, right? You know how when you're driving to work, you've been there a million times and you can get there and you don't remember how you got there. You just, your brain literally just took over. That's your subconscious. And when we are changing patterns, we are becoming mindful of that subconscious to create a new pattern. So say you move and now you have a different route to work. You can't just like coast through at the beginning. Your body might want to go a certain way. Or if you change jobs, this happened to me at one point, I had was in the same house, I changed jobs. And my body, like if I wasn't intentional in the morning, I would automatically start driving to my old job. I had to be intentional of like, oh no, you don't leave that part of the rotary, like keep going and up and around so that I could drive to the new place. I had to rewrite that pattern, but there's mental resistance that pops up because your brain's like, oh no, this isn't what we do here. It's used to habits and patterns. Mental resistance will always pop up when we're writing new patterns. Also, if this is something that involves somebody else, it will likely be dysregulating for them if you do something outside of the normal pattern. So if normally you're in a codependent relationship with someone and you decide, oh, I'm going to do some work here and I'm going to put up a boundary. Remember, boundaries are not walls. They show people where the door is. So it shouldn't just be like fully ignoring this person or being really rude to this person, but instead saying like, oh, hey, here's when I'm available to talk, or this is what works for me. Let me know if that works for you. And giving them a way in rather than just shutting them out, right? If they can't respect your boundary, you would, I would pull back. If I say like, oh, here's when we're free, if you want to give us a call and somebody calls at another time and we're not free, I'm not going to answer the phone just because they called, right? Like if I'm not free, I'm not going to answer that call. When we're setting boundaries that are new and we're going to, we are creating new patterns in how we show up in the world, it will be dysregulating for the other person. That's something that we have to be prepared for is that they might lash out with hard feelings and 
when you expect that you might trigger somebody, then it's easier to navigate because you have that expectation set. You know, oh, they're probably going to be dysregulated. Here are their habits or patterns when they are dysregulated. Almost like you know what's coming. And you can be prepared to hold the boundary. Holding new boundaries is the hardest part, right? Like setting them is one thing, but holding them is a whole nother ball game. It's going to be uncomfortable to do something new. Even if you're not holding new boundary with somebody else, even if you're holding a new boundary with yourself, where you're saying, oh, this was my old habit or pattern I would do when I would get really anxious, I would make a to-do list and start to clean and organize to make myself feel like I have some sort of control And you say, oh, you know what? I'm feeling anxious about not knowing what's going to happen next. And I'm going to sit in this unknown for a second. It's okay for me to feel uncomfortable. I wonder what I can do to help calm my central nervous system. That is a coping strategy. Mechanisms are going to numb those feelings temporarily. That's the to-do listing the like, let me feel like I have some sort of control. Coping strategies would be moving your body to regulate that cortisol. It could be breathing. This might be the taking space piece. Mantras can be really helpful here in reminding yourself, oh, I'm safe. I feel nervous because I don't know what's going to happen next and not having control is really hard. I'm going to take a walk outside to calm my central nervous system. And then I'll come back. I'm going to have a dance party real quick. I'm going to close my eyes and breathe. You guys, breathing is the fastest way to reopen your prefrontal cortex and slow the production of cortisol and start to level out your hormones. Breathing is so powerful. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for me, Labine, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash voices. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. 
I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. As you move from mechanisms to strategies, it's going to be uncomfortable. When I was doing work on anxiety, one of my triggers was that I wanted to I wanted someone to know where I was all the time so that they would know if I didn't arrive someplace safely, right? So you know when you leave someone and they're like, oh, let me know when you get there safe. It can just be something we say, like a response from like, how are you? And you say, good. Or if let me know when you get there safe is followed by that person not feeling regulated or calm until they know that you're safe, then it's anxiety, right? So you hear that distinction? For me, one of my anxiety sources was feeling like I needed someone to know where I was at all times so that if anything happened to me, somebody would know if I didn't show up somewhere, etc. So I would, and this is like, Sometimes, yeah, there's real safety concerns in life. This was not that. This was, I'm on my way home from work every single day, do the same thing, leave work around the same time, go home, and every single day I'm going to shoot Zach a text and say, hey, on my way home, even though it's consistent every day. The point of me telling him was so that I wouldn't feel anxious about like, oh, what if something happens on the way home and he doesn't know where I am and so then he doesn't know that something happened and then I'm not safe. That's anxiety. Part of my work was starting to rewrite this pattern of letting him know, which for me meant I was going to live in that space of fear for a little bit longer. I was going to feel fear for a little bit longer as I tapped into his strategy to process the cortisol than I would have if I just numbed it. The numbing it would have been the mechanism, would have been me just like shooting him a text. But instead, I started, I would walk towards the car, my heart would start to race, I would start to feel nervous, and I would pop the key in the ignition, and before I would even like turn on the car, I would close my eyes and I would breathe for one whole minute. I would set my phone timer, I would breathe to calm my central nervous system, and then I would put on music, have a little car dance party, and drive home. I started to have this temptation to like call somebody on the way home so that then if something happened, that person I was talking to would know and had to just build awareness around like, oh, what's my body trying to do here? What's the goal of it? And guys, now I can leave a place and not let you know that I'm coming home because I know that I'm safe. I'm not living in a constant state of fear anymore where I'm looking for the ways that I'm not safe. That's what anxiety can do for you. You can end up feeling like, oh, there's always something that could happen. 
living in that constant state of fear and you can justify it. Oh my gosh, I could totally just, I was like, oh, well, car accidents are, there's a high rate of them and something really could happen to me on my way home and you can justify it all day. Let me tell you, it is so much more peaceful to live like this than it was to live like that. When you're ready to do this work, you're going to start by building awareness of when it's building. Getting to know that inner child voice, asking them like, what do you need to tell me? What are you trying to communicate to me? For instance, my voice that wanted someone to know where I was at all times, right? That voice was saying, oh, you're not safe. So someone needs to know where you are just in case something happens. And I could thank it like, thanks so much for trying to keep me safe. I am safe. I am safe to drive home today. When you know what calm feels like, what it feels like to go through your days calm or largely calm, you're still going to have feelings. You're still going to experience fear. You're still going to experience disappointment and frustration and anger. But when you know what calm feels like, then you can start to really pay attention and know what anxious feels like. For me, One of the hardest parts of starting to do this work was getting to know what anxiety feels like because I had been so used to living with anxiety that my baseline for my level of cortisol was high and I didn't even realize it. I was living most days in such a heightened place that it was really easy for me to feel anxious. I was already kind of up there. And now most days, I don't live that way. And I'm sharing this because I want you to know that there's a a whole world of calm that you can live with that I wish someone would have told me so much sooner. I remember when my therapist said, you don't have to live with anxiety, you know? And I was like, excuse me, what? (laughs) We've been working so hard on me learning what anxiety was for me and how it showed up in the in my world. But no one until that point had said, you don't have to live with this. Just because these patterns exist for you doesn't mean those patterns have to remain. You can form new patterns. It's the most empowering gift I was given in life was to learn how to rewrite those narratives and habits and patterns so that I could live in a place where I get to choose what's going to happen in my brain. When thoughts come up urging me one way or another, I have awareness of them and I can say like, oh, I see you trying to help me out here. I see you old habit or pattern. Thanks. I'm going to choose to rewrite this one. This one isn't serving me anymore. This was something I had adapted to get here that I don't need anymore. It was something that maybe I needed in childhood as a response to a caregiver, and I don't need that anymore. Anxiety is when you are stuck in fear, unable to process it. So you do things to make you feel safe or feel in control. And it's a temporary fix that numbs your feelings. You have the power to build awareness of it in your body, identify it, say hello to that fear, 
process it and live without anxiety. You can live with fear instead of anxiety. You can get to a place where you can welcome that fear knowing, oh, here, I'm afraid of this thing. I'm afraid of not having control here. I'm afraid that if I let him do this, he won't do it my way. And then our daughter will have a different reaction if he does it his way. You can get to know that and say like, you know what? I know it feels really good to feel like I'm in control. It makes me feel safe. And it's okay if he doesn't do it my way. My way is not always perfect. It's okay if he makes mistakes too. We can start to rewrite those patterns, my friend. We don't have to live from a place of anxiety, but first you have to get to know your anxiety. How does it show up in your body? Where does it show up? And what is it afraid of? Calm your central nervous system. Know that you are going to feel the fear a little bit longer when you turn to a strategy, but that you're processing that cortisol. And then you get to rewrite that narrative. Over on Instagram at seed.and.so, S-E-W, doing a series of posts about anxiety where we're going into some of this. We also next week have a podcast episode with my friend Jess about anxiety in kids. Anxiety in kids has never been higher than it is today, which is not shocking because anxiety is hereditary if nobody rewrites the pattern. If nobody says, ooh, I'm going to stop this pattern with my generation, then we keep passing it on to kids. You have the power to rewrite these patterns and thus rewrite the story that your kid gets to tell. If you're seeing that your child is struggling with anxiety, is getting stuck in fear and having a hard time processing fear, just wants it to go away when they feel scared, tune into next week's episode on how to support kiddos with this. But let me tell you, babe, until you can hold space for your own fear, you won't be able to hold space for your child's fear. We can't teach what we don't know. You can build this simultaneously. You can work on yours and holding space for theirs, but it has to start with you. It always starts with you. I hope you're leaving this feeling empowered and knowing that you don't have to live with anxiety. It doesn't have to be this hard. I'm so grateful that you're in our village. Come on over to the gram, check out our posts and pop in your questions, my friend. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community for all of you to be a part of so that we can all gather together to raise emotionally intelligent humans? Head on over to Facebook, search Seed and Sow colon Voices of Your Village and dive into that Facebook group. We cannot wait to hang out with you and collaborate on raising these tiny humans. If you're digging this podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, scroll down, click those stars and leave a review. It really fills my heart to hear from all of you.
Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.